Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. What's going on, Chase? How are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for filling in, man. Those guys are slacking. They need to get to work. What do they think this is? Just vacation time over here, man? We're here to talk some football today. Let's right. go. I mean, you know, it's a different lifestyle, man. You know, the holiday season <laughs> kicks in. We still got ball to talk, but, you know, some folks look no for doubt. a little free time when that's happening, I guess. Hey, I feel you on that, man. I feel you on that. Chase, we're, we've been talking about the the development of quarterbacks and the, the very recent uh, – lack thereof for the Bears in terms of Mitch Trubisky. You, of course, were there for that. And now Justin Fields, while there has been improvement, we don't know that there has been full development. What, in your experience, is the most important part or thing in developing a quarterback in the National Football League? Well, first and foremost, you got to have good players around him. Like, I don't care how good you are. If you don't surround yourself with a really good offensive line, like, that's where I would start. If I was building roster, I would start with that offensive line and specifically the interior three. Everyone wants to pay right and left tackles, which is fine. You know, the left tackle for a right quarterback protecting your blind side. But those three guys in front, a center and two guards. And we had that in New Orleans with Breeze forever. It just lets you step up in the pocket, lets you see it a little bit more clear. That's where I would start. And then you got to have some skill players that can make some plays for you, that can create separation. Because what's everyone doing nowadays? They're just playing man-to-man coverage. They're saying, we got better guys than you on defense. 
than you do on offense. And so we'll just man up and it takes time for plays to develop like that. Another thing is you got to be surrounded by a good coaching staff, right? Like you got to be able to coach it well. You got to be able to have a vision for an offense, a sp specifically offensive scheme on what you want it to look like. Okay. And like quarterbacks do things differently than other quarterbacks. So one quarterback might be better at RPOs, Nick Foles, for example, like when he was in Philly the second time, Doug Peterson said, Hey, you're not like the old school dropback guy. Like you are really good and feel really comfortable with RPOs. Let's run RPOs. Okay. Or like uh, Justin Fields, like for example, the first uh, probably like four to six games of last year, like Luke Getz, he was running an offense that didn't make any sense to me, like didn't make any sense to Justin wasn't playing well. And then last year, you look at the New England game. We've talked about it a lot. That was sort of the catalyst. And then for the rest of that year, he played pretty well. Come, come along this year, in the first two or three games of the year, they're running an under center play action style offense. That's not Justin Fields. I don't think that will ever be Justin Fields. They switched the offense. He had a couple really good games, got hurt, and it's played pretty well for the rest of the year. So it just takes a whole bunch of people surrounding this quarterback to be able to de develop them. And, and honestly, it goes down, it comes down to can the quarterback like handle it all? Can he handle the pressures of the job? Can he handle failure? Can he handle success? A lot of people don't talk about that. When you have success, you're like, okay, good. I'm I know exactly what I'm doing. Like the, the best guy I've ever been around, Drew Brees, he was constantly evolving year in and year out, sometimes during the year changing his routine, sticking with it, just making sure he's on the top of the top. And I think that's sort of how I think and know on how to develop quarterbacks. And all of you who want to tune in to Twitch, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score, you can see Chase's well-manicured beard. You can see the hat, the ball cap that he's rocking to, everything that's, that's working for Chase Daniel right now. Yes, yes, looking very good, sir. Yeah, but yeah. as we as we evaluate QB development, I found the matchup they had in Cleveland to be an interesting one because – Lamar Jackson is the only quarterback who is even effective playing in Cleveland against that defense this season. And even he threw for less than 190 yards, ran yeah. for, I think, less than 30 yards, but put touchdowns on the board, which is vital. It seemed to me to be a game the other day, and I'm curious for, for your thoughts, that I, I thought the, the decisiveness of Justin Fields did seem to uptick quite a bit, the consistency of just seeing it and kind of letting it rip, even though it didn't lead to a high completion percentage. But that against that defense – where, you know, some of this is evaluating sort of small areas of improvement. But what did you think about Justin from within the pocket and offense that on the whole became pretty pocket-based throughout the game? But what did you think about just him him operating against that Browns D? Yeah, I mean, that, that you, you said it. And, and I did a I, – I had – so I'm working for NFL Network. I had NFL Network do a, a study for me because I wanted to, to understand the Cleveland defense because they're they're – probably in my opinion like top two or three defense in the league but they're horrible like if you look at the splits they're horrible away from home for whatever reason they just don't travel well but at home it's like one of the best defenses in the last like 15 years just pure numbers wise so when I saw this matchup with Justin I said hey is it gonna be like Justin's first start where you took like eight or nine sacks a couple years ago in there or is he gonna be able to handle and you're right he looked like a completely different quarterback from within the pocket I mean first play of the game play action shot play down the field he's wearing gloves in the elements like all this stuff was stacked against him and for the most part like I thought he played winning football like that's a really good defense a defensive scheme they're just playing bully ball up front I thought the offensive line for the most part 
uh, gave him enough time. I mean, they, they got some pass rushers on that end. Yeah. And he, he, he did a really good job, I think, just being decisive. And I think that was the biggest thing I wanted to see going in. Is he going to hold the ball? Because a lot of times versus that defense at home, like the first option is not available. And he was able to get to the second option or run. Would have loved to see some more QB run game versus that defense. But they were just stacking the box saying, hey, we're playing man-to-man. It's raining outside. I don't think Justin Fields can beat us. But there's a couple plays like that pass play to 18 down the seam, Tanya, the tight end. Yes, like yep. that, that was that was unreal. Like <laughs> I, I, I just broke it down and I put it on my YouTube show. Uh, the whole like I, I think we did 12 or 14 plays, and I spent a lot of time on that play because he's outside the pocket. Cole Komet does a really good job of of blocking Miles Garrett, allowing uh, Justin to get outside. And when Justin lets this go, there's four Brown defenders around him. He like sort of hop passes it, throws it easy, 55, 60 in the air, just like a perfect pass and it's dropped, right? And then the next play he comes back, throws an amazing back shoulder to DJ Moore. Like the skill level's there. You just want to be more consistent with it. But honestly, like it was a lose-lose situation for for Justin and and the Bears because that's just such a good defense. When they were up uh, in the in the fourth quarter, there's a 90% chance that uh, ESPN analytics said they were going to win the game. And then obviously some things happened down the stretch. Joe Flacco became the old Joe Flacco MVP <laughs> and, and did some stuff. But I thought, like, overall, like you got to be happy with how Justin played, especially how that defense played and how Flus is, is coaching those boys right now. And there, there was a comment that Justin made after the game just when he was talking about facing that, that Cleveland defense, a defense that – has embarrassed pretty much every quarterback not named Lamar Jackson has played there this season. You know, Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and, you know, Ryan Tannehill, his experience that he brings to Brock the table. Purdy Brock Purdy, the potential yeah. MVP of the league, threw for like 80 yards or something like that. So it was going to be a rough day. But that, you know, kind of throwing out of a silo where you're under duress, and we do see where big-time quarterbacks are at times able to deliver passes. And Justin talked a little bit about basically having to guess where he's delivering the football in those scenarios. And you, you've been there. Talk through that aspect of, of where does, where does anticipation begin and guessing in? Cause you're, you're going to face heat sometimes in the pocket. And yeah. that's where th- there was still a, a disconnecting game, whether it was Mooney or DJ Moore, just some of the, the passes that, that seemed just a bit off. Well, yeah. And I think that's, that's exactly right. And what you said, and, and that's a good observation from you because as a quarterback, when you're in the pocket, like a half of a second, longer to throw the ball or a half a second sh- less to throw the football is a huge deal. Say you have on average two and a half seconds to throw the football. If you're able to somehow get 0.5 seconds above that three seconds to throw the football stuff opens up down the field, right? It just like that half second might, might mean five to seven yards more of a receiver separation. Okay. You take half a second away from that two and a half seconds and you take two seconds from snap to throw the football. That is so fast things are not open you have to anticipate more which justin was having to do on um on sunday and it's not like it was it's not like they were not they weren't pressuring right it wasn't like they were Mm. blitzing guys left and right it was they were getting pressure with four so there's still seven in coverage to defend four guys so the holes out there are very small and he was able to for the most part get everything done within the first hitch but if you're getting to your second hitch on the road against that Cleveland defense. I mean, I broke down Brock Purdy's game there. And if you got to a second hitch, like good luck, it's getting sacked or you're throwing blind. And and I think that's what Justin has gotten a lot better at. I don't know if you would have seen Justin maybe five, six, seven weeks ago, being able to throw with the rhythm and anticipation that he did and actually trust the guys 
um, to make plays around them. Now it wasn't a great game, but you got to look at those small little nuanced details that what like I sort of look at and what scouts look at, what talent evaluators look at to say, hey, okay, he's making a step, even though the numbers aren't great. Rhythm and anticipation is better. Another thing that has gotten really good and at times just flat out awesome is his ability to escape the pressure and not just take off running, but find his weapons downfield. And the latest example of that was the Cole Komet touchdown in this game. What did you make of that play? I mean, honestly, like, like the left tackle lost right away. And so Justin didn't even have a chance really to play the play. I mean, he got to his third, he got, Justin got to his second read once his back foot was there. Cause he could feel the pressure and the way miles Garrett had him hugged. Like I was like, Oh, it's a sack. And all of a sudden, like, Nope, shook him off, kept his eyes downfield. And then going to your left, like that's hard to do as a quarterback, obviously as a righty, when you're going to your left, that was his only way to go. And then just kept his eyes down the field. And I actually slow mode it from the back view, the coaches, uh, back view where Justin was. And that was a lot smaller window than it probably looked like on TV because he had to get it up and over somebody before the D- DB um, was going to maybe try to tap it down for the Cole Komet touchdown. And Cole did a great job, like the scramble drill, all sorts of things. So just plays like that, especially in the red zone. If you can extend plays in the red zone, like we did a study a couple of years ago with one of the teams I was on. It's like 65% of touchdowns inside the 15-yard line are on extended quarterback plays. Hmm. That is wild. Like, that is wild to me. So you want a quarterback that you can trust down there. It's not only quarterback run game because you you gain an extra blocker in a, a running back, but then to extend plays and to be able to deliver the ball accurately going to your left like that, like, sign me up. It's, it's not easy to find high-level quarterback play, a high-level head coach. You know, the great offensive minds who call plays at a high level in football. There's probably, you know, few and far between who just do it year in and year out. So the Bears have some big decisions to make, of course, as we've all been talking about throughout the season here. If the Bears move on from Justin Fields and bring in the, the number one overall pick in the draft, whether that be Caleb or, or Drake or, or whomever, the infrastructure around the quarterback is, to me, in an area of focus that this team has just never proven with the product on the field that they've gotten right. What do you see as the most important thing for an offensive play caller for a franchise to try and, I'll use the term, insulate a a quarterback to develop them, to nurture their talents in a way that can help them become great? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, man, it's hard to find good quarterback play, whether it's Justin or Drake May or Caleb, whomever it is. Like you were saying, it's hard to find those those people. And once you decide as an organization from the top down, from the owners to polls, to the head coach, to the OC, every single person on that hierarchy needs to be on the same page about who the quarterback is moving forward and what the plan is. Because the plan does not need to start with your receiver or your left tackle. It has to. It has to start with the quarterback. So everything you do within that building this offseason better be rooted in who our quarterback is, who gives us the best chance to win. Do we have an offensive scheme around him that he does really well? And once that quarterback is decided on, once that's decided, then you can build your entire franchise around him. Now, the Bears have a good chance to reset that. Do you want to reset and restart? And how do you know if Caleb Williams or Drake May is going to be any good? Like, has Justin shown enough? There's so many 
questions that need to be answered. And only Ryan Poles can answer that right now. He's got a huge decision to make right now. Obviously you guys know Chicago's picking one and five, like amazing. Um, you know, and, and, and I've been pretty vocal on, on what I think, you know, should happen. And I just think restarting a, a clock again on another quarterback that in, in the drafting of quarterbacks, it's such a crap shoot. Like Mr. Irrelevant is probably going to win the MVP. <laughs> this year. You so, know, like, yeah. so it's just, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to put a, a finger on. Do you feel like, you know, it, so obviously you'd like to see Justin Fields back. Have you seen enough development from him, improvement from him? And we know what potentially his ceiling is to believe that he can get to the next level like what is the, the the I guess what is the ceiling do you think w- with Justin Fields if he compl- if he continues to improve at whatever rate he's improving yeah I think the ceiling is Jalen Hurts and and and, and just what Jalen Hurts has been able to do and not because they're both running quarterbacks because I see a lot of of similar traits in them throwing the football mm-hmm. good deep ball accuracy strong intermediate throws um like very accurate underneath now obviously the run running stuff is is the running stuff but I just think that if you were to put Justin Fields in an offense with the talent and the schematics of Philadelphia Eagles and what they've done to build everything around Jalen Hurts, I think you would get a high-level player. I really do. Now, um, that's remained to be seen because I just don't know if the Bears have the capital. Are they going to go 1-5 and five if they don't pick a uh, quarterback at 1-5? and five? Are they going to go just offense? I think they do if that's who their guy is. And so that's the that's the tough decision about it is once you have that guy in mind, then you're just like guns a blazing, like this is the path we're following. And yeah, that's that's the million dollar question, man. I, I just have no idea. It's like you got to be really sold, in my opinion, on either Drake May or Caleb Williams. And they might be to move on from Justin, in my opinion. Is it implausible to to bring in one of those guys and have Justin Fields still be the starting quarterback? No. No, not at all. And, 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 and I honestly, I think that, that that's a real possibility of what could happen because I, I just don't know. I don't know if they're going to pick up Justin's fifth year option. Okay. So you have Justin going in uh, and then at a pretty reasonable salary, then you decide to pick number one, like let them battle it out, like let them battle it out. And then that's another thing too. People are like, well, you know, his trade compensation right now, is about as high as it possibly could be the way he's playing and what he showed. Well, if his trade conversation is so high with the way he's playing and what he's shown, why wouldn't the bears keep him? <laughs> now I get it. Like it just, it just doesn't make sense. Like I, I get all arguments and all like, I don't know. I, I just feel like from what I'm hearing, like, I just feel like that's probably the path they're going to go down. Like it, it'd be hard pressed to pass up a quarterback yeah. at one. I get it. I get it. It's just like, what do you do with Justin? Justin's a consummate pro consummate teammate, man. Like, I don't know. And, and and that's even further. The conversation is how many backup quarterbacks have played this year, dude. Like it is yeah. unreal. So like, you don't want to trade Justin away right away. Like what if your number one pick you pick, like whoever it is, Drake may or Caleb, Williams, what if they get hurt? And then all of a sudden the, the franchise's plans are down the drain. At least you have someone to keep with Justin Fields to come in and play at a high level. And we've seen so many examples and you, you know, all of them well, Chase, whether it was, Dak Prescott in his rookie year in that situation in Dallas. Tony Romo gets hurt, and so Dak is in a position where he's not asked to do that much, and now he's developed into this MVP caliber passer. 
But there's a variety of examples. You go back to whether it was Ben Roethlisberger before him or the initial seasons of Tom Brady. In modern times, you mentioned the potential MVP is Brock Purdy. He's playing at a high level, but the situation he's in is drastically yeah. different than a lot of the other guys here. The Having both of them in the same room, you, you, you've been in a position where you've had the opportunity to be the guy who's like, all right, are you going to be our quarterback of the future? And then later in your career, you've also been the guy who was asked to just sort of nurture the younger quarterback, a proper meeting room for developing a quarterback. What well, you, you were the guy who was help, helping Mitch along in his journey here in Chicago for a while. What does the proper QB meeting room look like for the various ages and, and personalities in there? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the quarterback meeting room is a really sacred place because there's a lot that's talked about, not only about quarterback play, but about the organization and just how things are going, um, you know, outside of your control. And, and I think with with me, like I've always thought like a younger guy that is the guy, right, uh, in, in you might have him on a rookie salary so you can build the team around him while he's on that rookie salary and you find out you're the guy and then you bring in some veteran backup to help him mold to help him exactly what they did with like Patrick Mahomes right like Patrick Mahomes was drafted now this is complete opposite of like the Justin Fields situation like Mahomes has got a chance to go down as one of the best ever play it but if you look at Mahomes he sat for a year they let Alex Smith finish and play in 2016 and he balled out that was Alex Smith's best year as a pro okay traded him Mahomes sat the whole year and then the next year he was the starter he's been to five straight AFC championship games Right. But you bring in a Chad Henney, who's a young guy, who's an old guy, who's an old vet to go in and mentor him and sort of trick, you know, figure out like what he likes. And then and then eventually, you know, they moved on finally after like six years of of Chad Henney and Chad Ted went on to retire two Super Bowl rings. So that to me is like what I would think would be like a legitimate type quarterback meeting room. I like it. And hey, man, you were during the Mitch Trubisky era, you were a go to guy for us because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you yeah. spoke quarterback and you spoke right. Mitch Trubisky, which was very helpful to us. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, it was fun. It was a fun year, you know, and wish wish they would have uh, won some more games when we were there. Yeah, no doubt. Chase, thank you so much. We appreciate your insights and opinions. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks, Chase. That was uh, Chase Daniel, the, the former bear. Uh, NFL Network analyst, host of uh, Chasing It Show with Trey Wingo on the 33rd Team Network. Uh, you can find him on X or Twitter at Chase Daniel. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone. 
whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.